Well, this morning, my hope is to encourage your faith, to encourage your faith. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need someone to just come and to encourage my faith. We look in the Word of God and we see Jesus, especially in the Gospels with, with his disciples, and we see many times he asks them, where is your faith? Or why do you have such little faith? And, and he would encourage them and he would, he would challenge them and pull that faith up to the surface in their lives. And so hopefully today, that, that's my goal today, is that our faith would be pulled to the surface in our lives so that we can do and so that we can be what God has called us to do and what God has called us to be. Amen. Judges chapter 6, I want to start in verse 1. I think I gave y'all uh, a later verse. No, you got it. Good deal. Romans, I'm sorry, uh, Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied. I'm sorry, I think I may have skipped down over there. He's, he's probably like, where are you going there? I may have skipped down. I'm sorry, we're, we're still in that same chapter right there. I believe we're at, uh, I'm sorry, I'm all kinds of a mess this morning. Pull it up here. Chapter 6. We're going to be in verse 12, I believe. Verse 12, thank you. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Verse 13, Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have. And rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest. Someone say the weakest. Come on, someone help me out. The weakest. There we go. In the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if... You are truly going to help me. Show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Verse 19, so Gideon hurried home. And he cooked a young goat. And with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Just for a moment. Can you imagine, you're, you're, you're threshing wheat in a wine press, and an angel appears to you out of nowhere, sitting under a tree, and has this conversation with you. And then now you're like, wait, wait a second, wait a second. I, I want to know if this is the Lord speaking to me. Would you wait here for just a second? And then you go home, and you cook Thanksgiving dinner. I don't know about you. I can imagine that angel's just sitting there like, Man, what's this dude doing? Is he cooking a whole goat? 
Like the man went home and he cooked a goat. I don't know if you've ever uh, cleaned an animal. I don't want to get too graphic, but it's not just an entirely quick process. It takes some time, and then he cooks it, and then he bakes some bread. And I don't know if you've ever baked bread, but that takes time. And anyways, it was just a thought of mine. Like that angel must have been a very patient angel because he's just sitting there waiting the whole time. And then it says, then carrying the meat in a basket and broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of the Lord said to him, Place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all that he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. I love the story of Gideon. As a little boy, I always enjoyed it. Because it gave me hope, because I was always a real shy, and, and uh, real, I, I still am. Uh, you can ask anyone that knows me, real. I'm still real shy, and, you know, I'm, I'm probably not going to be the first person to just go up to someone and talk to them. I'd be more than happy to talk to you, but you're probably going to have to approach me a lot of times, because I'm just going to kind of stick to myself. Uh, you know, I'm a kind, kind of a little bit of a loner. I like to be alone a lot. Some people are like, why do you, you know, I, I, like my wife, she does not like to be alone. She loves to talk. God has given her, we're talking about gifts this morning, and you know, God has given you this gift, so serve well. God has given you this gift, so teach well. God has given my wife the gift of gab, and she loves to talk, and she loves to be with people. She does not like to be alone, and I think that's maybe why we work so well together is because she gets to talk all the time, and I just listen. And uh, you know, it it works out well. You know, we never have to fight over who's going to talk because she's the talker, and I'm the listener. And I, I, I don't know. I, I love to be alone. And so people like my wife, they're like, you know, I just don't understand you. I just, I don't really get you. But I love to be alone. I love to be with the word of God. I love when he speaks. And, and Gideon, I relate to him a little bit because he's alone when the angel comes to him. And we read here that, you know, he said, you know, why, why me? You know, why, I'm, my clan is the weakest in the whole tribe, and, you know, I'm, I'm the, the smallest. I'm the least of my whole family. And I remember growing up, you know, I thought, man, I can really relate to this guy. But I really think that we've got the idea of Gideon all wrong. I've heard so many messages and, and uh, so many stories and so many people teaching on Gideon and and they always kind of portray him as being the, the timid one. They always portray him as being the one without faith. And, you know, he had to ask God for signs. And this man has no faith. And he's a coward. He's hiding from the Midianites. And, but I really think we got Gideon all wrong. Because whenever I read later in the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, which we Christians have kind of uh, termed the hall of faith, it tells us about all these mighty men and women of God who did incredible things through faith. And one of those people mentioned, out of just the few that are mentioned in that chapter, is Gideon. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say, I would, I would not have enough time to tell about all the stories of Gideon and Brock and Jephthah and Samuel. And he goes on through all these, these prophets and teachers and judges of Israel in the Old Testament and talks about their faith. But here's the reason why I think Gideon wasn't a shy, timid, uh, cowardly, faithless person. I believe it's because in verse 13, after the the angel comes and says, mighty hero, 
the Lord is with you. In verse 13, Gideon says, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors have told us about? I don't know. How many of y'all have read through the entire Bible? Like you've, you've gone from Genesis through Revelation. And I made a couple of years ago, for, for a couple of years, I decided I was going to read through the Bible from cover to cover in one year. And so for several years, I read through the Bible cover to cover. And, and I've, you know, in the Bible, there's actually quite a few stories of angels appearing to people. And most of the time when an angel appears to someone, the Bible tells us that the people they appeared to were terrified. They were completely just, uh, the Bible says a couple of times that they fell to the ground as though they were dead. Like just completely terrified. And so we read like the story where the angels appeared to the shepherds to tell them about the coming birth of Jesus and, or the birth of Jesus. And they said, do not be afraid we bring you good news of great joy and and you know whenever the angel appeared to mary before she had jesus the angel said do not be afraid you know i think we we picture angels as being you know these beautiful you know look they look like humans you know just but but immaculately beautiful and covered and clothed in all white and have big angels and they're just very majestic but if you read in the book of Revelations, it talks about angels having like two heads and they look like, you know, part buffalo, part eagle, you know. I mean, you can read the Revelation, it gives a description of angels. I can imagine they're terrifying. It talks about them having eyes on, on different sides of their bodies and, and having all these arms and six wings, that, two wings that cover their arms, two wings that cover their heads, and two wings that cover their feet. And there's different types of angels, but I can imagine. If an angel showed up, I would probably be kind of like the shepherds. I would be a little bit terrified. But when the angel shows up to Gideon, and it doesn't tell us the angel's appearance, it just says that he showed up, he appeared. And whenever he shows up, he says, Mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. That was his opening statement. That was his greeting. And Gideon is like, Oh, really? Sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Can you explain that? What about all of our ancestors? They told us about how God delivered them up out of Egypt, but where is he now? You're telling me that God is with me? Prove it! This is why I don't believe Gideon was, was that shy, timid coward. Because when an angel shows up, he starts arguing with him. Oh, really? <laughs> Oh, God is here. Oh, mighty word, God is here. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, For real? Are you kidding me? I am in a wine press threshing wheat so that I can feed my starving family at home. God is really with me? He argues with the angel of God. I don't believe, uh, you know, I've heard some preaching that, you know, whenever the angel called him mighty warrior, it was a prophetic thing. Like Gideon wasn't really mighty, that God was just saying that to be something that would come out of him. But I believe that Gideon was already that kind of dude that you don't want to mess with in a dark alley. He was probably pretty strong. He was, or he might not have been big, but have you ever met someone who was small that thought they were 10 feet tall? Like my wife, a lot of times, she's not scared of nobody. You ever met someone that, that was small in stature, but huge in attitude. Like, I can imagine that maybe that's a little bit of the way that Gideon 
might have been. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, you are more mighty than you think. You are more mighty than you think. The angel said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And Gideon, he argues with the angel. But the fact is, Gideon was a mighty person. I don't know about you, but if God says it, I believe it. If God says it, I believe it. And Gideon, he's, he stands up for himself. And he speaks with the angel, and it's almost like he's diplomatically reasoning with the angel, like, okay, if God is with us, then why is this happening? And I think that's a lot of the reason a lot of people think that Gideon has no faith, but we see that Gideon, he says, hang on, wait right here. I want to see if it's the Lord that's truly speaking to me. Let me go home and prepare an offering. Come on, that's faith. That's faith. He goes home and he prepares it and he comes back and he lays the offering down, the, the goat and the bread and the broth. And the angel touches it and fire consumes it from the rock and poof, the angel's gone. I believe that Gideon was a mighty man of faith. A mighty man of faith. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. And as Gideon is explaining to the angel, hey, listen, I, my, my family is the weakest family in our tribe, and I am the least in my family. I don't think he's necessarily saying that, hey, I'm, I'm just a little guy, you know, woe is me, you know, I'm just a coward. I don't think he was saying that. I think what he's saying is this, why, God, would you choose me? Because my qualifications don't match up to the job that you're giving to me. He says, my family is the weakest. And if you look up that in the, the Hebrew language, the word there for the weak means poor. My family is the poorest family in our entire tribe. We are stripped bare. And if you read, uh, I didn't read, I jumped down, but if you read the first portion of, of chapter 6, it tells us about the Midianites and the Malachites and how they had come, they had banded together, and they raided Israel frequently. And they stole their cattle and their sheep and they burned their crops and, and they burned their houses and they, they, they just decimated the land of Israel and left them with nothing. The Bible says they were reduced to starvation. And so Gideon, he's here and the Lord is saying, hey, you're going you're, you're to lead my people Israel against your enemies and you will overcome them. And Gideon's like, why me? Why me? My family's not important in Israel. And he says, and I am the least in my family. The word least there gives us the idea of qualified. I am the least qualified person. I'm the youngest is what Gideon is saying. I'm the youngest one in my family. Why me? I've got older brothers. I've, I've got a father. Like, why me? Why would God choose me? And I don't know what God may have called you to. I don't know the word that God may have placed in your heart. 
But I do know that that's a common question. God, why me? Why are you asking me to do this? Why is this your plan for me? Why are you, you calling me to this? I'm nobody. Just as a show of hands, the, the Christians that have been following Jesus for a while, has God ever asked you or called you or given you something to do and you thought, I can't do that. Just show, raise, raise show of hands. Let, just look around the room real quick. There's, just, there's hands up everywhere just saying, God, you know, why me? Why'd you pick me? Why are you asking me to do this? What are my qualifications? Why, why should I do this? Can I give you some encouragement if that is your thought process right now? You are more mighty than you think. There is more inside of you than you think. You may feel insignificant, but you are very significant because of the God who is in you. Here's, here's uh, point number two. You are more ready than you think. To do what God has called you to do, you are more ready than you think. Verse 14, the angel tells him, he says, go with the strength you have. Go with the strength you have. He didn't tell Gideon, hey, listen, you got to get better to do what God has called you. Come on, you better shape up, dude. You better get your life together. No, he told Gideon, he said, listen, just go with the strength that you have. Go with what you've already got. Get it. You are more ready than you think. See, my hope today is to inspire and to, to encourage some faith to come to the surface in your life today. I don't know what God has put on your heart. Maybe he's, he's put a word in your heart to, to apply for that job. Maybe he's put on your heart to, to reach out to that person that you need to forgive. Maybe he's put on your heart uh, that, that there needs to be a change in the way that you parent. Or there's in a relationship that you need to repair or to build upon. Or, or maybe there's someone that you need to take in and mentor and love on. Or I don't know what God has put on your heart, but let me tell you this. You are more ready for it than you think. You are more ready for it than you think. Go with the strength that you have. In Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, he tells us about a thorn in his flesh. And this is what he says about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, notice this, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am. I love it, church. We are more ready than we think to step out in faith in what God has called us to do. Why? It's because in our weakness, God seems to work the best. He seems to work the, the most powerfully. I've, I'm not an old person by any stretch of the imagination. I'll be 31 next week. But what I have learned is this. That whenever God calls me to do something, I usually feel a little bit like Gideon, like, God, I don't have what it takes. Who am I? Why would you call me? And, and you know what I've noticed? Is he finds pleasure in that. Because he's able to look at you and say, you know what? You may not feel like you have what it takes. You may not feel like you are ready to do what I've called you to do. But that just means that you're not going to be able to get the glory for it. I will. And our God 
is a good, good God. You may feel that you aren't ready to do what God has called you to do, but he likes it that way. He likes it that way. Amen. We need to step out in faith. You are more mighty than you think. You are more ready than you think. Here's point number three. You are more equipped than you think. You are more equipped than you think. Judges chapter 6, verse 15. Gideon says, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? In the next verse, the Lord said to him, I will be with you. You are more equipped than you think. That sounds so good, right? That whenever God says, hey, I will be with you, that sounds good, right? To know that God would be with us. But can I let you in on a little bit of a secret? If God asks you to do something, and you're like, God, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't really feel ready for this. I don't feel like I'm the man for the job. I don't feel like I'm, I'm quite up to what you're calling me to do. That's going to be really hard. And, and he says, don't worry, I will be with you. Listen, if he says those words, your flesh better be scared. Because that means he's probably not, that means you're probably not going to have the resources to do what he's called you to do. You're probably not going to have enough money. You're probably not going to have enough time. You're probably not going to have enough patience. You're probably not going to have any of these things. But guess what? He tells us that he will be with us. Here's the good news. He's all we need. He's all we need. To our flesh, we're going to say, God, I don't have what it takes to do what you're calling me to do. I don't, I don't know if I can step out in faith because I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. I, I'm not rich enough. I don't have enough influence. I, I don't know what to do whenever someone comes and asks me the hard questions. And, and so we just kind of sit on the sidelines and, and hope that God just starts moving things. He said, no, listen, go with the strength you have because I'm going to be with you. Here's the wonderful thing. He's all we need. He's all we need. Your flesh should be scared to death when God calls you. But your spirit should be, be ready to rise up in faith and say, you know what? I'm going to step out anyway. I'm going to step out anyway. Judges chapter 7, the next chapter over. Verse 2. says, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves in their own strength. Don't you just love God? Let's do a little recap, okay? This is going to be fun. Let's do a little recap. Gideon is in the wine press threshing wheat. In other words, he's He's getting the wheat ready to where it can be taken and, and to be ground and, and to be baked as, as bread. And, he, and he's in the wine press doing it because he was fearful of the Midianites. Not that the Midianites would, would come and kill him, but that they would take his food that he wanted to feed his family. He's in a wine press threshing wheat. That's not where you normally thresh wheat. You thresh wheat on a hilltop where it's windy and the wind can blow away the, the parts of the wheat that you don't need. And I don't want to get all into details, but basically it's like you take a pitchfork and there's a bunch of wheat around you and you take it and you just kind of toss it up in the air and the wind blows off all the stuff that you don't need in the seed. The wheat falls back to the ground and then you can collect the seed. And He's doing it in a wine press, a place that's dug out from the earth and there's not a lot of wind and he's probably not having a lot of success, but 
He feels that maybe if he does it there, at least they won't find his, his wheat, his food. So here's Gideon, threshing wheat. And an angel comes to him. Mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. Gideon's like, oh, really? Is he? Because the last time I checked, nothing's going right. The last time I looked, my family is starving, and I'm in a wine press trying to do something that I should be doing on a hilltop. And the angel says, okay, well, God wants you to be the, the military leader of Israel. Can you imagine getting a word like that? Like you're hiding food so that your family can eat, and then all of a sudden God says, hey, I want you to be the five-star general of the United States of America. Me? Why me? What are my qualifications? I've never done this before. I've never led a military. Like, do I get the nuclear codes too? Or, like, how, how does this work? Like, I don't feel qualified. And God gives him 32,000 troops. Now all of a sudden, Gideon is the military leader of an army of 32,000 people. That's a lot of troops, y'all. 32,000 is a lot of troops. He was more equipped than he thought. And that sounds incredible, but for just a moment, let's look at what it says in Judges chapter 6, verse 5. It says, these enemy hordes, the enemies of Israel, coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. That gives us a little bit of perspective. God calls Gideon, an unqualified person, to be the military leader of his people Israel. Gives him 32,000 troops, and that seems like a lot. But it's not a lot whenever you're looking at hordes of enemies, thick as locusts, too many to number. I don't know if you've ever felt kind of like Gideon in a particular situation of your life. Like, God, you called me to do this, and, and I see your hand in these areas, but look, look what we're up against. Look what I'm facing in my life right now. God, I've been praying for years and years, and, and it, it, look, I mean, it just seems hopeless. Where are you, God? And then God says, um, by the way, Gideon, you've got too many warriors. And you're like, <laughs> say what? I'm going to have to pray about that. <laughs> is that really God saying that to me? Has that thought ever come in your mind before? Like, is this really God? Like, I, I really don't know if this is God. And so what does Gideon do? He says, God, if this is really what you've called me to do, then I'm going to put out a, a piece of fleece. And if this is really what you want me to do, then let the ground be wet and let the fleece be dry. I need a sign 
from you. Next morning, Gideon wakes up and the ground is sopping wet and the fleece is bone dry. I can imagine being Gideon and being like, all right, we can do this, let's go. <laughs> Got what we need. Gideon says, hey, hang on, hang on a second. You said, what, what did you say, God? Okay, that's what I thought. Just to make sure, just to cover all of my bases here, uh, let, let's, let's do this again tomorrow. I'm going to put out the fleece this time. Let the fleece be wet and the ground around it be dry. And Gideon wakes up the next morning, goes out, and he's kicking up dust, and he picks up the fleece, and it's just ringing wet. And he, he wrings it out and fills up a whole bowl full of water. Have you ever just thought, God, if I could just have one sign from you, if you could just show me that this is really you. And a lot of times, you know, we, we look at Gideon and we think, you know, he was so faithless that he had to ask God for a sign. But if we're real, every one of us have asked God, God, just please give me a sign. Just please show me that this is you. Like, I want to believe that this is you, but I, I, I need a sign. And, and before we count it off as being a faithless people, I want to show you what Gideon did. He prepared. Before he asked for the sign, he prepared his 32,000 troops, and God dwindled it down to 10,000, and then he dwindled it down again to 300 troops against hordes of the enemy, thick as locusts, in droves too numerous to count, and then there's 300 people in Gideon. We are more equipped than we think. Judges 7, verse 7, the Lord told Gideon, With these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all of the others home. One more time, a quick recap. Gideon gets his 300 people. They are severely outnumbered. Severely outnumbered. They are literally starving to death. And they have to fight a well-rested and well-fed army. And by the way, they have zero weapons. Do we forget to mention that? <laughs> no swords, no spears, no bows, no shields, no arrows, no chariots, no camels, nothing. I don't even know if they've got a rock to throw at this point. Imagine you're Gideon, and God says, okay, hey, I know you're, you're hiding from the enemy right now, but I want you to be my military leader. And by the way, here's an army of 32,000 people, but I only want you to take 300 of them. And I know that you're starving, and you're hungry, and you're weak, and you're tired, and the enemy that you're going to be fighting is in droves too numerous to count, and they're well-fed and well-rested. And not only that, but they got all your sheep, all of your goats, all of your cattle, all of your livestock, all of your food, all of your possessions, even all of your weapons. And uh, I'm going to need you to go and uh, ambush them. Oh, really? Tell me you wouldn't ask God for a sign. Tell me you wouldn't say, God, I, I have to make sure that this is you. Like, 
you know, I believe you. I believe your word because I, I, I saw your angel and the fire came out of the rock. And I know, but God, I need a sign. And God's saying this, I'll give you a sign. Yes, it's me. But God, really, I mean, really, I need to know, is this you? Please give me another sign. And God said, okay, there you go. I want you to know that I'm in this with you. I am in this with you. And when we have God with us, we are more equipped than we think. Come on. More equipped than we think. Judges chapter 7, verse 20. Getting ready for battle. They've heard the word of God. They've been given the strategy, which by any human logic would be the worst battle strategy ever employed in the history of humanity. Because <laughs> this is what God told them to do. He's, he told them what to do, and this, this is what it says, verse 20. It says, Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands, and they all shouted, A sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. They didn't have a sword, y'all. <laughs> they didn't have it. What did they have? The Bible says they had three things. Each of the 300 soldiers, this is what they went into battle with. A torch, a ram's horn, and a clay jar. 300 of them against hordes too numerous to count. What are they, they going to do? You know, ha! <laughs> like, what's the strategy here, God? But I love Gideon. He says, God, I have to know if it's you. Show me a sign. And God shows him a sign. God, no, I really want to know. This sounds really weird. Is this you? Give me a sign. God gives him another sign. And Gideon says, y'all get ready for battle. Because apparently, we are well enough equipped to fight and to win this battle with what God has given us. With what God has put in our hands. I want you to, to go home and read this story later on. But I'll, I'll give you the spoiler alert now. They blow their horns, and I don't even want to try to do that again because I can't even do it. <laughs> it sounds like a dying sheep. But they blow their horns, and they stand in the position God told them to stand in. And their enemies inside their camp rushed around in a panic and started to kill each other. <laughs> They didn't need a sword. They didn't need a spear or a bow and arrow. They needed the Lord. They needed the Word of God. And whenever you have the Word of God, you are well equipped enough for any battle that you could ever face. Because He's that good. He's that good. You are more mighty than you think. You are more ready than you think. And you are more equipped 
than you think. Here's my last point. You hear God more than you think. <laughs> we look around at, at the church, not just Calvary, but the church. And it's easy, if we're being honest, a lot of times it's easy to get discouraged. Because we read how God delivered the Israelites out of the hands of the Egyptians. We read God's promises that he will deliver and save and heal and transform. We read all of this and we look around at our lives and we're like, God, really, where are you? You've said all of these things. You told us and gave us all of these promises, but where are you? I'm struggling to see you in my everyday life. And I think a lot of Christians have reduced Christianity to a Sunday morning service or a Wednesday night service because we've found it hard to see God and we don't think that we hear Him like we should. But can I challenge you a little bit? God speaks to us and we hear Him more than we think. It's just a lot of times what we hear sounds crazy. Oh, there's no way that's God. <laughs> that's just my vivid imagination. There's no way that God would, would call me to something that big. Cause look at me. But instead of doubting the word of God, and I love this because I've heard so many people say, well, Gideon just doubted God. No, Gideon didn't doubt God. He just tested him on what he said. He believed God, but he's saying, hey, just, just to make sure this is you, just to make sure I'm hearing your voice and not my own thinking, just to make sure I'm hearing your voice and not the enemy trying to mess me up, will you give me a sign? Will you give me a sign? Here's the thing. I think we hear God more than we think, but I believe that the reason a lot of time we don't step out in faith is because we don't test God and say, God, what are you telling me? And it even sounds weird to say, you need to test God. You know, most of the time you go to church and they say, you know, you don't, don't, don't test God. Oh, oh no. But, but look at, uh, where is it here? Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Familiar portion of Scripture. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This word testing comes from the Greek word dokimatazo, which means to try, to try it, or to prove. Did you know in the Bible it tells us to try God at his word? <laughs> To, to prove that it was God speaking to you? Listen, if God gives you a word, try it. Most of the time, we just say, God, I, I just need a sign, but we're not preparing for it in the meantime. See, Gideon, he gathered up the troops. He went to where God had told them to be stationed. But before he went out to battle, he said, let me test you. Let me put out a fleece. Listen, church, 
It's not being faithless to test and see if what you heard was God's word for your life or not. That's not a lack of faith. It only becomes a lack of faith if we test and don't prepare. If we test over and over and over again and and still do nothing about it. That's a lack of faith. I believe that we hear God more than we think. Judges 6, 17, Gideon replied, If you are truly going to help me, show me a sign, not to prove that it was you, but to prove that it's really the Lord speaking to me. Here's the beautiful thing about the story of Gideon. I think this is the most beautiful thing about this whole story. Is Gideon asked God for a sign. He brought the food and set it on the rock. The angel touched it and the flame consumed it. Sign number one. Gideon asked God for another sign. He set out the fleece and it was dry the next morning. And then the third time he set it out and it was wet. He asked for a sign three times. But in the rest of the story of Gideon, we never hear him asking for another sign. Even though he went on to do some pretty incredible things and to lead God's people in incredible ways. He was the fifth judge of Israel and Bible scholars Uh, they all agree that he was the greatest of the judges that God gave Israel. The thing that I find most beautiful is that after hearing the voice of God, he quit testing it because he started to recognize the voice of God. And if you're in a place where you're like, I don't know what God wants for me, I don't know what his purpose or his plan is for me, I don't know what he wants me to step out in faith and do, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to test him in his word. I'm going to put faith to action and take the next step. Here's the challenge I have for you this week. Take the next step. Whatever you feel that God has put on your heart to do, take the next step. And here's the thing. You're probably in one or two camps. Either you're in a place where you know God has already spoken to you and you have to step out in faith and take that next step, Or you're in a place where you're like, I don't know what God's will is for my life. I don't know what God is calling me to. Well, here's the thing. If you're in the first camp and you know God has spoken to you, just try him. Take the next step. Just try it. Have faith. Believe in God. And if you're in the second camp, you're like, I don't know what God wants for my life. I don't know what his will is for me. I don't know what he's speaking to me then right now start to prepare for what it could be. Start to prepare your heart. Start to prepare your mind. Get in the word of God. Start memorizing scripture. Start setting money aside in your bank account. You never know what God's gonna do. But but step out in faith and start to prepare even now. Gideon, he didn't know that it was the Lord speaking to him, but he went home and he prepared a meal just in case it was. And it's a good thing he did. Because God showed him incredible things through it. Here's what I've come to find out. The more you walk in faith, the more you want to live by faith. The more you want to live by faith. We've all heard the story of David and Goliath. David goes to the battle lines where the enemies are facing one another and they're just kind of waiting for something to happen. 
God calls little David to come on. David says, I can beat this giant. And his brothers try to discourage him. They say, what, David, you can't do this. You're too small. You're too young. You're too weak. You don't have any military experience. There's no way that you can knock this giant down. Here's what faith says, though. I can just imagine David. He reaches in his pocket and pulls out a stone and puts it in the sling. And I can just imagine David looking at the giant and saying, you kidding me? This guy is so big, how could I miss? How could I miss? Listen, that's faith. Whenever someone comes and says, you can't, you shouldn't, stop, don't. Faith says, man, how could I miss? I've got God within me. I'm more mighty than I think. I'm more ready than I think. I'm more equipped than I think. And I hear the voice of the Lord more than I think. How could I miss? What could go wrong? I believe in my God. <laughs> Acts chapter 26, verse 8. This, I love this. This is my life verse right now. It says, why does it seem incredible to any of you that God can raise the dead? Why? Give me one good reason why it should be impossible for God to raise the dead. Give me one reason why you think that God would not be powerful enough to raise the dead. Why does it seem impossible to you? That should be the faith that comes to the surface in our life and say, God, you, you've called me to this and it sounds crazy. I feel like I'm throwing clay pots at the enemy. <laughs> I feel like I'm sitting there blowing on a horn. But faith says, you know what? This is just crazy enough that it might work. <laughs> and God is just big enough that I know I can trust in him. So this week, take the next step. Let that faith come to the surface in your life and just say, I, I don't know what the future holds, but I know that I can take this step. And then th the next day, I know that I can take this step. Can we just agree to do that together as a body of believers? And I promise you that if we would do that, then we would see the Lord work in miraculous ways. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you that you, that you have made us to be more mighty than we think we are. Lord, I thank you that we are more ready than we think we are. And Lord, because of you and your spirit, that we are more equipped than we think we are. And God, I thank you that you speak to us and that we hear you more than we think we do. And Lord, I pray that we would no longer just sit back and, and wait for a sign for us to begin doing something, God. But I pray that we would have enough faith come up to the surface in our lives that we would take that first step and say, God, I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to see and prove if this is your will for me. God, I pray that this body of believers here at Calvary Tabernacle, that we would possess the faith enough to step out and say, you know what, God, this problem is so big that I can't even miss it. Lord, we thank you so much for the hope and the love and the faith that you have stirring up inside of us. And it's all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. We love you so much, church. Go out in faith today. Take that next step before you go to bed.